0: Every play, every musical, begins with some writer putting words on a page. Hello, and welcome to Stagecraft, the Broadway radio podcast that talks to playwrights and musical book writers about the shows they've created. My name is Jan Simpson, and joining me this week is Larissa Fasthorse, who is a member of the Sakungu Lakota tribe of South Dakota an advocate for more Native American representation in theater, and the author of The Thanksgiving Play, a laugh-out-loud but still very serious look at political correctness in the theater and how it affects the stories we see. It's running at Playwrights Horizons through early December. Hello Larissa Fasthorse. welcome to Broadway Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, you and I have talked in the past um, about the issue of uh, inclusive casting for another project I was doing, and we may or not be able to get back to that, but what I really want to talk to you about now is the Thanksgiving play, your new play at uh, Playwrights Horizons. So would you tell listeners what it's about? Yeah, the Thanksgiving play is... Um play about,
1: well, the the basis of it is a play about four woke teaching artists who are trying to create a politically correct, um, culturally competent first Thanksgiving play for Native American Heritage Month for children. And that's that's like the plot basis of it. Uh, What I've said before in other interviews that I think holds true is basically my perspective of it is I'm making fun of white
0: people for 90 minutes. Well, actually, it's only 82 minutes now. (laughs) Where did you get the idea of writing a play about Thanksgiving? We'll get back to the other part in a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving is definitely, you know, something that's universal, but it's also something that's very fraught. Indigenous people in this country, and a lot of people who celebrate it, or don't no, celebrate, who recognize it as a day of mourning, hmm. as opposed to a celebration. And um, I've always been, you know, very interested in things that are so universally known but seen in such completely different ways by different people side by side or things that have really um, confusing context and so uh, that to me seemed like an obvious easy one to sort of explore the other thing that I wanted to explore which was kind of inertia of white liberal America. Uh,
0: well I do want to get into that why did you want to make fun of of, of woke white people?
1: Um, you know, I think I personally as a Native American female playwright in American theater, you know, I, I certainly don't have any um, complaints in that, you know, I, I've been treated very well by American theater and I've been doing this for a dozen years now and it's my full time job. I'm really fortunate. However, you know, that being said, you know, one of the the most difficult things I think to deal with is well, well for anyone, right, it's fear. And I think a lot of you know, liberal, white, and well-meaning America, which is most of our American theater here, is dealing from a place of fear. You know, they're, they're so afraid of making a mistake, They're so afraid of offending. They're so afraid of doing something wrong that we end up doing nothing. And, and I've ha- encountered that again and again in my career when I'm like, well, wait, what are you actually saying? We well, get down to the marrow of it. They're just afraid of making mistakes. They'd actually rather do nothing than do something wrong. And I you know, and when that's we're never gonna move that's not forward motion, right? We're never gonna go forward if we're operating from that much fear. And so for me I've always I I often have said that I feel like that's the most dangerous thing for me and for my work and for my continued career is this, this level of fear. If we can't make a mistake together, then we're just gonna keep repeating the same things over and over and over again, which is kind of what we found ourselves in American theater.
0: Um, this is a very funny a laugh out loud play. Um mm-hmm. people yeah. were just barking with laughter um when <laughs> when I saw it. And your director is um Moritz von Stupenagel. And you the two of you uh, seem to share a, a comic sensibility. Could you talk about how you came to work together?
1: Yeah, actually, um just over a year ago, I'd I'd never met Moritz. Um, I knew of his work, of course, and and um, I was introduced to him through Playwrights Horizons and Club Thumb. So they do uh, what they call uh, super lab together. Mm-hmm. So it's a reading series they do in the year uh, where they combine resources, and it's a it's a slightly longer um, workshop week, and uh, they they work together on different kinds of plays that maybe are interesting to both of those theaters, or either you know either or whatever. And so when they asked me to do Thanksgiving play last year, you know I had my list of directors I knew, and we went through a bunch of them, and I, I didn't know Moritz, and none of these people were available, and it was coming up very quickly, and and it's actually Club Thumb who first suggested Moritz, and it's like <laughs> I tease him all the time. But they said, well. Norris is a comedy machine. And I was like, Well, then obviously I need to meet this guy because I'm doing a comedy within a satire and I need to have someone that gets it. And so he um, we talked and, and we had a very collaborative similar collaborative way of working and we clearly have a very similar comedy style and a similar sense of humor. And um, and to be perfectly honest, you know, as a straight white male, he couldn't he's kind of the perfect um, counter voice for me in developing this play. Hmm. So we did a workshop at Playwrights Horizons and Club Thumb, and then we did a workshop at the Lark for Playwrights Week. And um, when playwrights asked to pick it up, they asked if we'd want to keep working together, and I immediately said yes because it was really a, a, a good collaboration and a good um, counterpoint of view.
0: So was he nervous about doing some of the, the politically incorrect things in your play? yeah i think i mean for our whole
1: you know all the white folks in the
0: room we had a
1: lot of uh see you know, i commend them and there's a lot of really kind of horrible things they have to do and say and be a part of and, and build and make um and make honest and earnest and um truthful and that's hard it's really hard because these are nice well-meaning people these are our people here at theater, you know but, you know, I think also what's interesting is when we can get to a, an honest place in the room, which Marissa and I certainly have in our collaboration, It's saying, like, wow, uh, that, that's me. Like, I can see where my good intentions here were just that. There were good intentions. Intentions aren't actions. Intentions mm-hmm. are something is actually the exact opposite, an inaction. You know? And and he said, yeah, I can see where I I've said that exact thing. I've had that good intention and produced nothing. And yeah. and that's um, a hard thing to see sometimes, but it's that honesty and that that experience that was really uh, good for me to kind of keep a rigorous honesty on, like is this really what these people would do and say, and as you know, ridiculous and crazy as it is, is a comedy and a satire, but there has to be a truth behind it, and they really helped me keep that.
0: I think a lot of people who are familiar with your work might, and and the fact that you are such an advocate for the Native American presence in theater, might be surprised Mm -hmm. to find that there are no Native Americans in this play. Was that Mm -hmm. because you wanted to make fun of woke white people, or were there some other factors that contributed to that decision?
1: No, I've been very open about the fact that the original impetus of this play was Casting. So, you know, like I said, I've been doing this a dozen years now, and I work primarily under commission. And the number one reason I get my plays not getting second or third productions is casting. You know, when someone commissions a play, they've already put a good amount of money into it and a commitment to it. And so they are much more likely to produce it. And my plays get a pretty good production rate. But then after that, people say oh but there's a Native American I, I have one play that has one half Native American character in it and I was told it was uncastable. Mm-hmm. and um, you know I've heard that I've, I've heard uh, a theater company in the middle of Arizona with 22 recognized tribes and thousands of other Native people say they can't find any Native American actors. you know it's just mind boggling and, uh. and, and it's not true right <laughs> however that being said I finally was like you know what I'm, I'm okay American theater you know I've gotten this point where I had an opportunity to kind of do anything I wanted. I was like, great, I'm going to throw down a challenge to you all. You know, produce, say you can't produce this. I have four actors who can pass for white. I very clearly say that I would love people of color who can pass for white to be in this play. And we have had that happen already. Four pa- people who can pass for white in one room for 90 minutes well, 82 now, straight through, you know, if you can't do that, American theater, but still dealing with issues of contemporary Native American people, you know. I've told a lot of people, you know, this play is basically all things I've encountered just squished together into a ridiculous short amount of time.
0: Well, you've now said this twice, that 90 minutes, but now 82, and I know you've workshopped the play (laughs) quite a bit, so what's missing? Um, You know, we just, heightened it a lot. There,
1: there are a lot of ideas in this play, and that's mm-hmm. very intentional in the way it's kind of psychologically structured. There are many things that I, I like to, in my plays, ask more questions than I answer. and I'm trying to actually change the way people think and, and cause new, promote and stimulate new ideas and new ways of thinking about things that I thought you knew, and without giving you the answers to those things. And to create a certain kind of disquiet internally, uh, that's my, those are my goals. Uh, you don't come to my plays to, you know, leave feeling resolved, satisfied. Um, that's not what my plays do. Um, my plays hopefully inspire and, and question and challenge and confuse sometimes even. So for me to to get all of that in, it, it's interesting because sometimes you think, oh, we, we should have more space here to let people digest this idea, and actually, there's so many crazy ideas in this play it it needed to be closer together like we we, you couldn't get too far from each idea had to keep being closer and closer so really all the cutting we've done to shorten it has been two lines here one line there a word here two words you know just wordsmithing but right after we we start our previews you know we had a lot of previews here at playwrights we're very fortunate after the first full weekend of previews the actors let us know by counting that we had made changes <laughs> on 27 pages in one day. Oh, my gosh. And, and on that day, like six minutes came out of the show. And then they did that show that night. They're, they're really an amazing crew.
0: Were there significant changes from the productions in Baltimore, Berkeley, some other places?
1: Yeah, um, the two places we've had full productions were in um, Portland and um Uh, Sacramento, California, Portland, Mm -hmm. uh, Oregon in Sacramento, California, and then a lot of readings all over the place. The changes have been made, it's interesting, it's always been the same setting, it's always been the same project, it's always been the same four characters, they they haven't changed. Uh, What has changed is what issues we're dealing with and how we're dealing with them. (laughs) Especially, I'd say, Alicia who is representing a lot of uh, problematic uh, depictions of women in our culture, and she is still living in a lot of those problematic spaces. The way we've had to deal with that in the past couple years Hmm. of developing this play has certainly changed. And just wanna make sure I'm not, it's still, you know, I don't think like, clearly it's not like, well, you know, fall, women are not viewed as, you know, uh, only valued by their looks and sexuality, check, you know, that hasn't Hmm. happened. So she's still depicting a lot of those difficult things. But then I have changed those sort of how other people react to those things sometimes. And and I calibrated some of that to what's been going on in the last two years in in our larger societal discussions around women and and sexuality and all that sort of thing.
0: This is is basically um, a play about the way we look at history and build stories around it. It seems to me. Yep. Um So, what kind of, of of research did you do for this play? Because I I've read that you're a research person, and, yeah. and and what surprised you in your research?
1: Yeah. So I, I do. I could. I would happily just like research things forever. I know that <laughs> is a job for somebody, but unfortunately, it's not my job. But I'd love it to be. I would love to just sit around and research things all day long and talk to smart people and talk to people who've experienced things and I I love that so I can get really nerdy so I have to put a a beginning and end to research um (laughs) on a piece of play and then obviously if something comes up when I'm writing and I don't know something about it then I'll you know quick take a detour and learn a little something about that but as far as the general research I think this one I gave myself two weeks um because honestly I thought I didn't need that much time because I thought like most of us I think well I know the Thanksgiving story and I know the history I was Shocked <laughs> how little I knew. It's really crazy, complicated. But then um, also because I'm dealing with indigenous issues, you know, ninety percent of what's written about indigenous peoples or his or ninety percent that well, probably ninety nine percent of quote American history is not written from an indigenous point of view or from any understanding of the indigenous perspective. So that means I had to also out and talk with ancestors of Indigenous people to experience Thanksgiving or or what we thought was Thanksgiving or what may have been Thanksgiving. And so I had to speak with those people and do, so do one-on-one interviews and that sort of thing as well, just to um, understand that point of view. And additionally, there's a, a portion, portion of the play that every other scene, in fact, that is um, taken from actual Thanksgiving kind of school pageants and things. Um, and Thanksgiving projects that are done in school. So those were they real? Are, yeah, I would say, you know, a couple of them are, they're amalgamations of things, mm-hmm. like a, but they are uh, amalgamations from actual teaching websites and actual huh. teachers' um, curriculums and so you know a couple of them, the songs are clearly taken word for word because they're songs Yeah, you know, we just did them um <laughs> but the, uh, the other two i kind of i took pieces from different ones that i'd seen different lessons plans and put them in together into these uh performances that kids are still doing in schools and that horrified me because i would never done anything like that uh, These you know pilgrim indian things that we had children do and uh it's pretty horrifying.
0: <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, how did you celebrate Thanksgiving as a kid?
1: Oh, you know what? We had a very, you know, in South Dakota, South Dakota, a very normal, I'd say, Thanksgiving. You know, we had, you know, all the regular kind of American Thanksgiving foods, which I love. They're all my favorite foods. I'm I, nothing makes me happier than a food that's all kind of beige, orange, and yellow. Like <laughs> that's amazing. Like this whole plate of like turkey and stuffing and <laughs> potatoes and corn and sweet potatoes. Like, it's just like the perfect meal in my world. A little bit of red on the cranberry and like, no green. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's my favorite meal. So I love it. Um, and we just really looked at it as a time of gratitude, a whole day of gratitude, which is an awesome thing. I think we should have more of those, sure. And a time to be a family. You know, we always have family come and join us. And it was just a really reflective sort of family time mm-hmm. um we didn't do pilgrim and indian things we didn't do any of that um it was more about gratitude and time together and having a really fun
0: were, meal was the whole pilgrim indians thing part of what you did when you were in like elementary school or or, or were people just smart enough not to do that in south dakota
1: yeah, I was fortunate. We grew up in a time it was called like period of reconciliation, and like we didn't have Columbus Day almost of my life, and we didn't, uh, yeah, do those. We never did those program Indian things. We did do the little like um, hand outline turkey. I remember doing that one, you know. And but I think that's the, you know we never did any of that other business. So I was actually really shocked when I found out through my research, that kids are still doing some pretty horrifying. Pilgrim Indian pageanty things in schools today. It's really crazy.
0: Now, I know you're not in the advice business, but what advice would you give people who do want to do the right thing about uh, Thanksgiving, and, and particularly when it comes to kids and theater? What advice would you give them? Um, well,
1: you know, it's, it's a little complicated when it comes to kids, because some of the true reasons behind Thanksgiving are, you know, potential um, what we know of as like official Thanksgiving, that the holiday and all of that didn't actually happen until after the Civil War, which is a couple hundred years after the supposed Thanksgiving events. It was something that Lincoln declared in an effort to is a a political agenda. He wanted to try to find something generically neutral to reunite the states. And so he declared Thanksgiving as a new national holiday. And so this is way after and and for a specific reason. So everything that went into that declaration of that holiday, there had to be a narrative supported coming together and forgiveness and working with each other and family and gratitude, had to support all those things. So in that narrative, we got rid of all these counter narratives that had been there for years, which are pretty horrifying and gruesome. And you hear about several of them in the play of what may have actually been the thing what was actually the impetus behind some of the traditions we have today so those i would say not appropriate for children but you know what is appropriate is to know the land on who um on whose land you're standing is what i'm trying to say on whose land you're standing whose original people you know were on this land the anywhere you are in um, the americas you know north south america was indigenous land at some point i think it's important employ- important to learn about who those people were, on whose land you continue to profit from, and learn about them and, you know, find out more, be involved, find out, you know, the Wapanoag um, people are under threat right now by the federal government having all their land taken away. And those are the people that we, you know, kind of celebrate as the original, like, Thanksgiving Indians. If that, you know, if that's the narrative mm-hmm. you're going with, they, that's their story. And they're about to lose all of their land and be completely without any land of their own. And, I, you know, they need your help now. So if you want to, you know, get involved, get involved and, and start learning about the true histories and ways that you can be supportive of the Indigenous people who are here first and you're still profiting from.
0: I've I've read that in your your uh, contracts that you require or strongly suggest that theaters showcase other indigenous artists works in their buildings and I noticed at Playwrights Horizons there were beautiful blankets or quilts I'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. how, how would you describe them. How do how did you go about finding this artist and I I apologize, I don't know the artist's name, who did those textiles. How did you go about finding um, this artist, and how do you go about finding others when you do make of this suggestion to theaters?
1: Yeah, so I actually, I don't put my contract, but I have made it what I call two challenges. So whenever I'm developing a new play with the theater, my two challenges are that my work is not the only indigenous art in the in the season, that I'm not the only Indigenous person paid in the season. And then I talk with the theater, and I su- and I help support the theater in finding solutions to those challenges. I don't do the work for them, but I do do work with them. My goal, obviously, being that when I leave, they have all these new um, relationships with different Indigenous people where they live. Uh, so Playwrights has a new program, which is called the Guest Curator Program, And they were like, oh, perfect. This fits in exactly with that program. Let's have our guest curator for the year, for the season, be an indigenous person. And so we suggested several names back and forth. And one that we all landed on was Emily Johnson. So Emily Johnson is an Alaska native artist who lives here in New York City now. Um, She's a dance theater artist, um, but she does these really fascinating durational community Pieces and those quilts you saw were from one of her durational pieces that I think went over a couple of years. Um, I went to one of the the sewing bees where you went and sewed on those quilts. Huh. Um, and she didn't. You, you do these you know, these large, you know, like kind of stri- The place I was in, we had a big circle of tables, and then there were other places quilts on the floor and you'd sit on. And and if you're at a table, you're sewing and they have instructions and teach you how to sew the quilts together, how to sew the patches. And then through that, while you're having that um, different indigenous peoples, depending where you are, would talk about their land and their issues and whatever it is they want to have these provocations of discussion. And then we'd encourage, you know, group discussion with everybody while they're sewing or observing, or sometimes people would sing songs or offer their own work and then discuss it. And so she'd have these, Durational sewing piece going on for a couple of years. And then to, at the end, all these quilts were put together and created the steps uh, for a large dance theater piece she did. That's one of the pieces. What Emily did was curated uh, several pieces. There's quite a few pieces, actually, in the installation from different Indigenous artists from all over the country, actually, and um, including the Lenape people because we are on, the lo- on Lenape Hoking. And so we have representations from all these different artists. Okay. And then we also... Mm-hmm. had readings as well from different indigenous artists and emily curated that reading series as well That just is-
0: how long is thanksgiving play uh running
1: well we just got extended <laughs> great congratulations <laughs> so, um you have through the week after Thanksgiving. you have through thanksgiving weekend and then the week after thanksgiving and actually the i think it's the uh, saturday and sunday after thanksgiving is only the best time to try to get tickets we could probably get a group of tickets together and then that following week
0: since we just opened those up before that we're doing really well if you want tickets you better jump on them well I hope people uh, do and uh, I I'm sure they'll have uh, a good time and um, and I uh, thank you for, for for talking with us about the play and I hope you will forgive me for saying happy Thanksgiving
1: I oh, know I'm telling you a day of gratitude and thinking about the indigenous people uh, that were there before you that's an awesome day so go ahead and do that because you know what it's also Native American Heritage Month so go ahead and think about Native Americans before the month is over that would be great
0: great this, and this is a great way to do it a great fun way to do it thanks again and thank you for joining us we hope you'll come back next time and that you listen to all the other Broadway radio podcasts, which you can find on BroadwayRadio.com.